Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Use Guys and That podcast. You can find us across all podcatchers, and our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is at UseGuysPod. Email us at info at useguyspod.com or useguysandthat at gmail.com. You can find our entire podcast library at useguysandthat.podbean.com. All right, everybody. Thank you for uh, tuning into the Use Guys and That podcast. Uh, we got the gang here together. Of course, we have we have the pleasure of uh, our friend, friend of the podcast, friend of the podcaster, Sal Mayweather, joining us. You can check out his website at uh, 3dprintergobrr.com. That's 3dprintergobrr.com. And, of course, the Agora. He has his own podcast. Sal, thank you very much for coming back onto our show. Thanks for having me, guys. What's up? How have you guys been? Well, we've been okay, man. We've been uh, having a, a real, real fun time watching uh, <laughs> the uh, genuflecting, the kneeling, and the uh, the salvation because Christ is risen and he's he's returned. Right. <laughs> watch, watch saved. The uh, prodigal son hath returned. And I'm looking forward to be trained however Biden wants to train us because I heard that this morning on the news that he was going to train all of us to be upstanding American citizens. I can't wait. Thank God we have these, <laughs> these elite liberal politicians to tell us how to live our lives. Exactly. What would we do without them? <laughs> oh, I, we, would, we would be doing what we've been doing for four years, just straying, just uh, wandering in the right. deserts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can't. You know, man like the jacobin there's a pic there's a an image that i'm sure maybe you didn't see it sal because you got a lot of shit going on but there was an image from the jacobin magazine which they it is satire but it has joe like you know in the in the position of christ in the middle and it's got fauci with his halo and they've got like yeah, the media's yeah. kneeling before him and all this other shit and it's total satire because they got two drones at the top of the <laughs> So fair play to the communists over there at the Jacobin that like, cause I would, like I told Christopher, I was pissed for about four and a half hours today. I kept looking <laughs> well, at wait. the image, you know, check this out. Have, have you, did you guys, I don't know if you can see that meme. Can you see that? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> it's with, with John McCain with, he's like, finally war with Iran, like looking down from like heaven. <laughs> He really should be looking up from hell, but you know, you get <laughs> yeah, the point. Yeah, right, right. We, we, yeah, definitely. It's, it should be hot where he is. Um, I hope he's not able to raise his arms any further than he was in life. That's for sure. But you're right, yeah. though. I mean, th thankfully, racism is now dead. Right. right. We're right. White, white supremacy. We're, we can all we were all white supremacists two days ago. And now we're going to be we're trained to be upstanding citizens. So thank God we for these people. Right. right. What we yeah. I mean, unless you believe in white privilege, because then or if you don't believe in white privilege, then you're a white supremacist. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. I love how everybody now who just happens to whose opinion slightly strays from the mainstream is just a white supremacist. Yep. It's right. like, There's boom, it doesn't no matter. Room. Like, you no could be like, <laughs> you could be married to a black person and you could be like, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just if you have at any time strayed from the mainstream status quo opinion, the establishment version of events, then you are a white supremacist Klansman. Yeah, yeah, it's the well, it's it, secular like, apostasy is what it is. But it doesn't yeah. make sense if you don't believe in white privilege. How can you be a white supremacist? Because at the root of white supremacy, <sighs> you believe that you're privileged over other races. So I, I don't get it. I don't get that I, logic. 
I think I think the answer just when you get confused is just that you're a white supremacist. Yeah, <laughs> right. Probably right. Yeah. And move on. Damn. Yeah. Sorry. Nice try, Angel. Quit trying right. to logic and reason and all. Yeah. No, no. Common sense doesn't fit in around here. No. Yeah, ni- nice try, bigot. <laughs> <laughs> now here's the question here. So we in first of all, I've been calling it the MAGA pooched. Because I wanted, like, you know, it's it kind of was like a pooch, but not exactly a pooch, you know, because they didn't. First of all, the fact that they're calling it an insurrection, the country's been burning since May after they murdered uh, George Floyd in the street. The, the country's been on fire in many different locations. Legitimate, like even Keith Preston, he's been on our show before. He called it a, 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 a soft insurrection that none of those words were used up until January 6th. And meanwhile, I'm not defending these people because I can't really say what should have happened in Minecraft, but it should have happened in Minecraft where you should have gone in with a plan. These people who who busted in, we watched them walk between velvet ropes. Yeah, I'm sure they defaced a couple of things that one asshole walked off with. Um, what's her podium. name? Drunk's podium. Like he like he walked off with the speaker's podium, which is great. We paid for it. He can have it. I don't give a fuck. You know, that, that was our money anyway. But to call it an insurrection. The people that got in there, if they had a plan, they wouldn't be taking selfies. We've talked about this before on the show. I can't I can't stress enough how stupid it is to call it an insurrection when the people that got in there, the, the wild bill or whatever the fuck his name is with the buffalo headdress. They, they got in there and they were taking pictures of themselves for the FBI. They had no plan. <laughs> These right, are the worst yeah. white supremacists. Very ever. much spur of the moment. <laughs> it was an unarmed coup, an unarmed coup. Right? It that, works that, every that, time, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, right. You know, it's just to, to me, it's just such a joke. They they call it an insurrection. It's just the same thing the statists have always done. They just use flamboyant language as, in, like in an mm-hmm. attempt to sort of like sway and, and steer the dialogue. <clears throat> but uh, notice how like when your business burns down, they don't they don't care. They don't give a shit. But when it's when it's Nancy Pelosi's office, when her desk gets a little bit disorganized, then it's, it's a it's an you know an international crisis. So it's it's just a big joke to me. And I'm with you. If it was up to me, they would you know obviously it would have turned out a lot different. Let's leave it like that. Yeah, no no Fed posting. We're trying our best not to Fed post whatsoever. It's oh no, a- I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't believe in violence, but I would have all of them inside of like a. I would definitely have them all inside of a labor camp. But I certainly wouldn't mind to be the entrepreneur running that 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 work camp. The thing that I don't understand <laughs> is why didn't they take that opportunity to address these you know citizens who had approached you know Congress and and other you know areas in the Capitol and just say hey. You know what's going on? Like, why don't you talk to us? They're they're supposed to be representing us as you know, you know, no taxation without representation, right? right like, yeah. I mean, that's what they're there for, right? I mean, so why didn't they just come out and speak to their constituents? They could give less than two shits about any of those people, <laughs> like, Absolutely. not at all, not they're at all. Terrified though, yeah. like it just shows you how far removed they now are because they're just around each other and. You know, when you're not around people that are different from you or maybe come from different like income levels, uh, (laughs) you know, you mean poor people? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was I didn't want to say I don't like the word class, you know, so I was was trying to think if if you have less money, 
you know um <laughs> I, I don't know. Poor, broke, yeah, busted. Poor. When you're broke. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're you know, broke and yeah. uh you know, you hang out with other broke people like you kind of you're in survival mode so you see well, things and you're you're okay with that and sometimes you see things that are really terrible. Um sure. especially like if, you know, you're around like a drug addict house or something like that, there's some very terrifying things that you know, you see and sure. like your safety kind of you kind of feel threatened, right? So these people have not been around anybody at all below their income level in like years. Right, right. I, I agree with you there. And, you know, the thing, too, we talked about it before. And I will say this. This kind of reminds me like for, from now on, like you thought that it was tight before. Like this was like this was still 9-11 style perimeter that they had. After 9-11, they made a larger perimeter of this stupid building. Now it's going to be like the Kremlin. Like you're not without an inner party card, you're not getting anywhere near that cathedral. Like it's you have to be a member of the clergy now to get in. I mean, seriously, you have to be a Pharisee to get into this building. That's what it's going to be like. And they're going to preach from the stairs, just like they did yesterday. They stood upon the stairs in front of the in the hoi polloi, like at least digitally and preach to us, you know. So which if you think about it, it's almost a good thing. Right. I, I, like it almost helps separate people from the idea, like the, the false notion that they're that they're part of the state, that they have any sort of representation left whatsoever. It almost right. helps like break that. And I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I think in the end, uh, if people can get over that fantasy, then, you know, it'll just sort of hasten the inevitable, which I'm, I'm all for. You know, I think that we're on that we're on that road right now. We had talked to you before about what it would be like to be a Roman citizen as the legions are pulled back and as the empire starts to crumble around you. And when I, when we talked about it before, Sal, that was back in May of last year. Now I'm fully, I fully believe that that's what we're like, you know, at, at the time it was kind of like, huh, I wonder now you look around, you're like, huh? Yeah, this is it. This is really happening. And you made that comment again uh, on Twitter about uh, the central banks and what, you know, what's how everything is unfolding it's it's totally happening around us it's totally happening you know yeah and if you know there's there's you you I mean you know this jay but there's different ways to like different lenses through which you can look at historical events through like you know if you ask like a, a chemist for one version of events he's going to give you a completely different you know version of events than like a, an economist would so like i don't know to me to me like the only the only explanation that makes any sense is the Austrian, the Austrian explanation for things. And that, that comes from Mises and the business cycle. And, you know, <clears throat> when you look at like all of European history through the, through the lens of, of inflation and central banking, everything sort of comes into focus and it sort of like makes sense. And like you said, Rome is such a great example. And like, look how inflation sort of led to all of the problems that Rome faced, right? They weren't able to expand. They were the only reason they were able to expand so greatly was because of uh, the expanded credit, and uh, that's sort of you know what led to the initial uh, push from like the Goths and, and a lot of the invasions from the north and the barbarians and stuff like that. So really, at the end of the day, it also led to like cultural degeneration and stuff like that. It sort of corrupted the Roman Senate, and we have all of those problems in America today. Right. We have like the culture has completely degenerated. 
I mean, it's yeah, no no explanation needed, right? Everybody has the internet yeah. here, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, every politician in America belongs in in prison. They're all corrupt, right? There's the whole concept of of representative government, like we just said, is just all nonsense. So, I mean, the signs are all there. The American empire has expanded well beyond its capabilities. It's almost like Rome, but, you know, we get to like see it like unfold before our eyes because of the Internet. It's just an amazing time to be alive. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I want to get your take on a couple of things here. Uh, We were discussing this uh, pre-show. Now, this is a, a, a big miracle. I don't know if we're being trolled or not. But I, I had to bring it up. The squad demands capital protests not be exploited to take away civil liberties. And now, granted, I don't know. Now, her name is uh, Rashida Tlaib. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly or not. I, I don't know who she is. I know who the squad is. I just didn't know she was a member of it. I thought it was uh, the one lady that married her brother to get the green card and the crazy communist from the Bronx. I know it was those two ladies. Um, uh, she says, I'm leading the call for national security powers not to be expanded in light of the attack on our nation's capital that occurred two weeks ago, as such me- measures often lead to the erosion of American civil liberties. First of all, while we're looking at this, I, we, I'm trying not to laugh because as if they needed to pass a law to go after any whatever's left of your civil liberties. I mean, that's it's funny how, you know, you're worried about putting it on paper when <laughs> it's been on paper since. Uh, <laughs> it, right. I mean, what, what, like what civil liberties did they not erode with the Patriot? Right, right. Or, or, or hear me out. What are what is she thinking is going to be the punishment? Like, are we finally going to get to the camps? You know, are we finally like the American dad camp refugi? You know, <laughs> well, she's like, she, you know, it's funny because they're talking about civil rights as they're trying to raise the minimum wage. So you have all the civil rights, but you don't have the right to, to determine how much you're worth on an hourly basis. Like, right. It's just so hypocritical to me, everything they do. And that woman in particular is particularly insane. The whole squad is obviously they're all they all belong in camp. But uh, <laughs> that woman in particular is batshit crazy. Yeah, I, I, I think that she's a little bit off her rocker. Now, I did appreciate it at first, like even when I told Angel about it, she goes, huh, really? And I said, yeah, I fucking guess so, man. But um, now here's a troubling one for you. So the former director of the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, who is a communist. Oh, I don't here know we if, go. I don't know if anybody knew that or not. Oh, Brennan, yeah. Yes, there he is. John Brennan uh, is lumping in libertarians. Libertarians. Okay, so... He said in an MSNBC interview that without the least concern for violation of Americans' rights, that intelligence agencies should look into, quote, religious extremists, authoritarians. He's not looking at himself. Fascists, not looking at himself once again. Bigots, racists, nativists, even libertarians. So we have now officially seen libertarians being lumped into like I, I to say libertarian and authoritarian in the same sentence is is wonderful is beautiful because it's so fucking stupid how anybody can buy that shit. how do you how do you see this playing out sal like seriously put on prognosticate for us tell us what you think prognosticate well like like what do you think like i mean it, it's interesting to me because like, i think the exact quote if i remember correctly was that like you know all those different groups are quote an insidious threat to democracy right <clears throat> the way i look at it is I, I think he gives us too much credit. I hope that he's right. 
I, I, I think, I mean, that would be a dream come true if we actually were, if we were actually a threat to democracy, I wouldn't be out there complaining about libertarians <laughs> acting, you know, inefficient and stuff like that and trying to pr promote counter economics because we would already be there. So I, I hope he's right. I pray that we are a threat to democracy because, you know, democracy is a sham, right? I mean, Hoppe, Hoppe said it best, you know, democracy is the God that failed. 51% yep. of the people should not have the right to vote on the paychecks or the rights, the civil rights or the civil liberties of 49% of the people. So I, I hope he's right. I agree completely. Now, you know, here's a question that, you know, I'll put to the group, uh, how does it, I've said it before, and I've been telling my friends, I have a, a conservative friend who is who's moving very slowly to the bottom right quadrant uh, of the compass. And I, I'm, I'm not taking credit for it, but I'd like to think that I've been edging him along a little bit, like kind of, you know, giving him a gentle, a gentle guiding arm saying, oh, no, look over here. It's much brighter. But uh, <laughs> he's been moving slowly. And I told him the other day, like he he purchased the I forget I think uh, Zastava AK forty seven, and I said I said Are you going to give that to the cops when they ask you the first time or when they surround your house? I asked him again, and he was like, Well, I'm, no, I'm not going to give it up. I'm like, well, Then you can't call yourself a law abiding gun owner. I said you have to drop that moniker. Okay, that's no longer something like law abiding has nothing to do with it. Now, the big theme, I guess, for the past two months has been radicalization of how to push people in those directions, whether it be on the, the libertarian left or the libertarian right. I'm working this guy into the, he's obviously he feels far more comfortable with anarcho-capitalism than he would say anarcho-syndicalism or anarcho-communism, which I think anybody on this panel would definitely agree with. And that's fine. Um, what I'm trying to do is, is, is see how people welcome the idea of a divorce i've been saying it over and over again i know christopher has done his part like a lot of us have been talking about this divorce well you know where pete has talked about decentralization is this going to be a golden age for us to really start to push that because these like for example time magazine which is a disgrace of of a rag they had hitler on the cover of it as the man of the year they had, they had benito mussolini they've had horrible people on the cover of their magazine before as men of the year so to take anything they say seriously is not advisable but they talked about in the specific article which will be in our show notes about how difficult it is going to be for comrade joe biden the hero of the working class to unite the country and I think that this I think it's absolutely true because everything every even the Trump people are extremely radicalized because even if you told them, hey, listen, you shouldn't, you know, you, you shouldn't, you know, you know, play on, uh, on on thin ice when you're out in the winter. Like you really, you know, if Trump told you that you should do it, you shouldn't. They'd still go out there and they'd fucking drown because their their God told them that it's OK for them to go out there. But that's a that's a kind of a form of radicalization, if, if you understand what I'm saying. So in a way, I think we're maybe a little too far radicalized, even within the uh, political compass that, that the far the, the left and the right, not the quadrant one, but the traditional uh, pre-French Revolution model one. I think a lot of these people have been pushed so far into their corners that unity is out of the question. Yeah, <clears throat> I see what you're saying. So I think like. Um... Like if you've noticed, like the left presidents have become more and more left, right? Uh, uh, Clinton was more left than Carter and Obama was more left than Clinton. Um, Bush, too, was more to the right than his dad and Trump was more to the right than him. So like 
almost like the angular momentum is, is like the analogy I like to use. And like the angular momentum of the state's collapse is sort of like picking up. And so you're going to have, I think it's going to continue, that pendulum is going to continue to swing. And there's going to be more, like the next Republican will be more to the right than Trump. And the more, the next Democrat will be more to the left than Kamala Harris or, or Obama, you know? Right. I think, I think Biden is sort of a stand-in. I, I, I don't really think, he's sort of going to be like a nothing president, in my opinion. He's a total yeah. corpse. He's a total yeah. corpse. <laughs> right. I mean, he looked embalmed up there. He really did. He looked like he yeah. was ready for the box. So um, we will be opening up a Deadpool. Um, we also want to call it the Miss Piggy pool because either you're going to have to call it either she gets 25th, the 25th Amendment treatment or he finally gets thrown into the ground. Oh, hey, did that did that go through for for Trump? Were they able to successfully impeach him for the second time? I haven't paid attention. Anybody know? No idea. Uh, yeah, I, I, no, I, I didn't. See, we don't, we don't give a fuck. You brought it up. I, I haven't cared enough to really pay attention to well, that. Well, they were, they were like, had like 10 days left, and they're like, we're going to impeach him again. Well, you know, I think, I, I think it was just like a way for them to sort of be like, if you, you know, you better stay in line your last week and off. You better not do anything too crazy. And if you do, <laughs> then we're going to convict face. you. <laughs> like, we're going to impeach you again. <laughs> <laughs> it takes them forever to do anything i don't know why they would th if they got something done in 10 days or less i'd be really fucking surprised yeah that's true mm -hmm. you know think about this though guys uh this could be the end of the gop because he's threatening in in his circles to start his own political party which uh yeah fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed for those of you who aren't watching and are listening sal gave us the big fingers crossed so let's hope that right. it happens. Um, I think it's great. I think people also forget that we had, you know, the Whig Party that uh, existed prior to the Republicans. And uh, once the Republicans came around, the Whig Party just kind of, you know, it faded away. It didn't exist anymore. Uh, so this is not something that has not. It, it, this has happened before. You've had a Federalist Party, for example. These things happen. But I would love for a Trump quote Patriot Party, I could you imagine the statism that would ooze from the stickers that they would sell people <laughs> right. at their conventions? You know what I mean? Like they I mean, would the Lee Greenwood uh, song. You know, <laughs> the, the, they would just play that on fucking repeat, and people would be crying with crucifixes and shit. Like it would be totally <laughs> wild. Oh my god, the Q people! It would be insane. Oh. They wouldn't be able to handle jizzing oh, all over it. the place. Forget it. They'd be they'd, like, they'd, it really was all part of the plan. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. They, Trust they would the feel plan. vindicated. They would feel vindicated. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> there is a little promise for that. I it would be great if if they don't if they don't impeach him and he runs. I mean, for that would guarantee Miss Piggy gets another term. So she could be president probably for I don't know. What does it do? Uh, so she would get two terms. Eight, okay, so eight, maybe 12, 13. She would rival um, FDR in the amount of time spent in the chair. Who knows? You know, there's a lot of potential for Miss Piggy. Uh, I think I, th I think if, if Trump actually did something with a little bit of gusto, if he actually did pardon Assange or Snowden or something, he could have pulled like a Teddy Roosevelt, Bull Moose, sort of comeback kind of thing, third party. Yep. But I think I think he blew that chance by not uh, bowing down to the populist base. I think he sort of screwed that. I mean, who knows what will happen in four years, but it, it doesn't look good for him as of right now. Wasn't that a disappointment, you guys? Like we kept waiting for yeah, the right. pardons yeah. to come out for Julian Assange, for Edward Snowden and for, for Ross. We, those Did anybody actually think that 
all of a sudden, I mean, this guy is a mass murderer. He, he, he killed 19 pine nut farmers at a wedding. I mean, of course he has no compassion for a journalist. Like, you know, these, these people are psychopaths. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we, we give them too much credit. Um, they're, they're not good people. They're, they're, yeah, they're just bad they people at the end of the yeah. day. You're well, right. Also, too, his whole, like, you know, I guess platform for a, a while at first was no leaking information, no leaking right. information. We're totally against it. So why would he pardon two people that leaked information? That's a good and point. he and he, he said all sorts of bad stuff about Snowden and Assange at uh, yeah. the debates. And he's also he's always been, like, one of those, like, thin blue line you know, cop suckers, which is ironic because the cops beat the shit out of all the supporters a week ago. Yes. So, like, it right. should be no surprise that he didn't pardon Holbrook either. Anybody that I was, yeah, I was gonna say, if there's anybody that I was really like, all three of them deserve to be pardoned for sure. But man, I was really hoping, like, Ross, all yeah, <clears throat> yeah. If there's anybody that I was like, truly, truly, like, come on, at least give us that, man. Nope. I honestly, so my my thought process. So there's a, there's an agorist out in Germany, a friend of mine named Max Hildebrand, and uh, he suggested that like we all just get together and just go storm the prison. And obviously, you know that that sounds batshit crazy and stuff, right? But my thought process is maybe you know not today, but maybe in 20 years, you know, the state will be further enough progressed into their collapse, and the agorist movement will be more organized and we'll be at a state a point in time where we can challenge their monopoly on violence and who knows what will happen at that point yeah that's that's an excellent point and uh i look for like, like you said i do look forward to that as well because the sooner the better um because the mass murdering machine has to stop uh I, it's it's awful and you know i do worry about the foreign policy because at least with the last guy that was uh, in the chair you know, I don't. I, he did seem to avoid major conflict. Uh, he did try to sit down with that piece of shit communist dictator out of North Korea. Like, okay, fine, that's great. I know a lot of that was for his own ego, because Trump's never going to do anything that's not in his benefit personally for his own profile. But that speaks for all of them. I think. I, I don't think that uh, when people think that Barack or George W. Bush or any of these people that came before them do these things for the benefit of the country. I also find that laughable because it's also right. building their own prestige and their egos. But nonetheless, we didn't go to war with Iran. And I know that that's been something that the establishment has been drooling over since the initial invasion of Iraq for the second time. I know that that's something that, uh, what, who was it? Was it um, uh, Donald Rumsfeld that was talking about it at the, at the trilateral commission? There was some big, huge plan that was in 2000 that they wanted to put together where they were going to invade uh, Iraq, Iran, Syria. There was a lot of countries. Well, I mean, we're already in Syria. We've been in Iraq for what now is it, uh, 18 years now. And then yeah. Afghanistan is uh, uh, crazy. Jesus, 19 years now. Not, no, no, no. Wait a second. That's 20 years. Yeah. 20, 20, yeah. 20 years. years. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's t- so how do you feel about the Iran situation? Do you think that that's going to be on the table? Oh, yeah, sure. No, uh, it, it always is. And, you know, Trump did start a war with Iran. It was just it lasted for like a couple of days. Right. We there was like a, a good brief missile exchange. <clears throat> um, some some Americans had permanent brain damage from that attack. But, you know, 
we, 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 you know, we like to pretend that didn't happen, right? Trump, Trump's a good guy, right? Just because he, he started, he started less, less horror, like horrific bloodshed than the other lunatics that came before him. <laughs> right. Like, like it's, it's just, it just, it disgusts me, like that they get away with this stuff. I mean, I don't know. I hope we don't have a serious, major, all-out, you know boots on the ground sort of situation with Iran, because then I think that'll be a really, really shitty situation. Like you don't want to go door to door in, in Tehran. That does not sound like, like a good time for any soldier. Um, obviously I, you know, this is, this is why I don't pay taxes because I'm not, I will not pay for this kind of shit. So I, I, just, I think it's disgusting. <clears throat> I, ho- I hope it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I definitely hope that it doesn't happen as well. And, you know, for the individuals that also forget about the demographic difference between Iraq and Iran, Iran is Persia. And it's a unified country where I believe that the, the majority of them are, are the same sect of Islam. So you don't have the fractured nature that you have with Iraq, which Iraq is a Sykes-Picot Act of World War right. One created country. It never existed. So you have the Kurds in the north. You have Shia Muslim, uh, Shiite and Sunni problems. You know, these are this is not a country that doesn't ha- has a national identity. It never has. Exactly. As opposed to Persia, where these people were knocking on the gates uh, in obviously for anybody who even remotely pays attention to history. I mean, they were in Greece. They had Greek allies that fought on their side. Uh, you know, the famous the, the last stand at Thermopylae, all these famous wars they have with Sparta and in uh, Athens. You know, this is a this is a group of people that have a long history of being really tough and uh, they're not going to be pushovers. You're not going to be able to knock them over. And also, you know, they they most certainly are a nuclear power, whether they want to tell you or not. You know, it's kind of like the Israelis where they're like, oh, no, we don't have any nuclear weapons. We sure you don't. OK, that's fine. <laughs> right. Sure, sure you don't. OK, honey, that's fine. Like we lost you know, the, 37. The, the, I'm sure they have all the, the, the one of the like the scariest parts about it all is be like Trump had, you know, he's he was very friendly with like the Jewish community because Jared Kushner, his son-in-law was like an Orthodox Jew and his, his daughter had converted and stuff. Yep. So like there was never an issue like he never had to appease the Jewish community for their vote. Right. He, he always t- he had that. Um, <clears throat> I think the Democrats, though, they do have to appease if they, if they want the the APAC money and, and the Jewish vote. They do have to appease uh, that sort of interest group. So that that sort of makes uh, military conflict a little bit more likely in Iran, which is not a good thing. Uh, in my opinion. And plus, you know, as we know, of course, Biden has no, you know, qualms about droning civilians. And of course, Kamala Harris could give two shits less about civilian life. So right. it's, it's not, not, not a good combination of, of situation right now. No, it's not. And, you know, we're going to, I would like to shift a little bit to um, the, uh, the Bitcoin situation. I heard Janet, uh, it was Janet Yellen was running her mouth again today about had to quote, taking a serious look at Bitcoin. How do you or what do you think, Sal? Like, are you do you think that they're finally going to actively really try to go after it? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I think I think it's, it's but I, I've been expecting this since since the since the get go. Right. Since day one, we knew this was going to happen. This is the whole purpose of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And this is what a lot of people are relearning. Right. You know, you hear a lot of debate over it has no no utility has no intrinsic value or it's a store of value it's this it's that but if you think about it all of the old school cypherpunks the dream was always for a peer-to-peer e-cash right and that's the way satoshi defined it so 
excuse me, I got a little cough, but you know, the utility of Bitcoin is that <clears throat> you can have peer-to-peer -peer transactions among two people who are not face-to-face -face, uh, without requiring a third-party intermediary. So if, if, if I want to send you fiat currency right now, we would have to use a third party like Zelle or a bank or Western Union or some sort of third party to verify that I had sent the funds that you had received them. With cryptocurrency, that's not necessary, right? That, that verification service is provided by a decentralized network of miners. So as the state, <clears throat> in my opinion, what will happen is as the state gets more restrictive and they start to prohibit more and more transactions and they start to protrude into more aspects of our lives, the need, the demand for a peer-to-peer -peer cash will become universal. Everybody's going to need one. And, and that is going to be how cryptocurrency achieves mainstream adoption. That's going to be how we overturn the Federal Reserve, right? It's not by having some glorified savings account or some investment that goes to a million dollars. It's by using it as, as a means of exchange that, you know, that it competes with their means of exchange, the U.S. dollar. So, um, you know, <clears throat> I've been expecting them to sort of clamp down on Bitcoin. And, I, and, and when that happens, what I, what I expect, and I've written a little bit about this at the New Libertarian, what I expect to happen is you're going to see a, a sort of shift uh, from pseudonymous chains like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash to more privacy coins, to more privacy-focused anonymous chains like Monero or Dash and R, uh, things where it's a little bit more difficult for them to track. Um, for anybody out there listening, if you do hold Bitcoin, what I recommend doing is shuffling your coins, mixing them up. Uh, you can use um, Cash Fusion if you're, if you're holding Bitcoin Cash, or you can use Wasabi Wallet if you're holding BTC. It sort of just, you know, mixes up the Bitcoin so that the feds can't tell, uh, you know, you know who, hel who held your tokens before you did. Uh, okay. Excellent advice. Um... Are you surprised that you haven't gotten nuked yet off of uh, Twitter? I mean, in the in those yeah. late, late like <clears throat> I was surprised. I was surprised that you were still there. There's a couple of accounts uh, that I was surprised that you were that that they were still there. Um, I was really pissed off about Pete. Uh, yeah. I, does anybody know what the exchange was that led to that at all? Yeah, yeah. There was. Um, so he, I guess, he did that podcast with. Um, Oh, dude, I think it was like the guys from Biting the Bullet or something like that. I forget. He did some sort of podcast and like somebody commented that was like, oh, you guys suck. You're a bunch of assholes. And like they were like fighting and going back and forth like, fuck you. No, fuck you. And I guess finally Pete was like, screw you, retard. And like the R word for the Twitter censors is like, that's all they have to hear. If you call somebody a retard on Twitter, they just they get rid of your account. So Shit. that was that. I don't know if he's gone for good, though. I hope he's not because that would be a serious loss. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, they got Jeremiah Harding. Uh, they got yeah. him. Um, I and of course everybody has backup accounts. Which, if you haven't done that yet, guys, I highly suggest that everybody try to do that. I know that people are like, well, you know, we shouldn't be using Twitter anyway. It's like, well, we should be using all platforms that are available to get our message right. out. Period. Right. right. Well, uh, like I think it was Aaron said something about has like somebody else had parroted that opinion that we shouldn't be using their uh their echo chambers but aaron from timeline earth was like you know we should do whatever we can to make them uncomfortable in their echo chamber so right, we should yeah. use twitter so i'm like you know yeah fantastic <laughs> you yeah, gotta be no an doubt. agitator 
you know the other the other thing too is it's sort of um agorism is sort of like 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 they're um what the hell i'm trying to the word i'm thinking of like uh, they're kryptonite right is for for the the big tech guys because we don't believe in violence you're never going to hear an agorist go out there and say oh go kill everybody like we don't do that that's that's not an agorist that's not our thing we don't call for violence we don't believe in initiatory violence Uh, we don't even believe in it as Sometimes when it's acceptable from a moral perspective, it's not always acceptable from a, a pragmatic or a tactical perspective or a strategic perspective. So, you know, <clears throat> we're sort of we're sort of safe from the censors in, in that way. Also, I don't um, I don't like to like if somebody like disagrees with me, I'm not going to go out there and be like, oh, you fucking idiot, like you moron. Right. Like I try my best to like not resort to ad hom, and I I, I do want to have like a civilized conversation with people. Nine out of ten times, I don't even have to respond in like you know to to something I say if, if I have a critic because I'll have other people in the thread who handle the, those people for me before I can even get to them. <laughs> <That's true. You> <laughs> yeah, we've seen it happen in real time uh, often. I don't even respond really anymore. Uh, I got really pissed off the last time because there was a a thread that uh, we were all talking about, like Ace was talking about Ross and I posted something and then somebody quoted me and was literally taking the state side, called themselves a, a conservative and a constitutionalist, which means fuck all anything. Um, and they said like, well, you know, that, you know, he's guilty because he hired hitmen. And then I came back and said, well, that's not actually what happened. There were no hiring of any hitmen. And then he came back and then I finally said, listen, and I blocked the guy afterwards. He, and I, he blocked me. It was a mutual block because we got sick of each other, I guess. But I said, <laughs> listen, uh, without a victim, there is no crime. I'm sorry. There, 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 there was no victim even yeah. named in the trial. We talked about that with Ace and we had him on for uh, the second time we had an episode speaking specifically on the Silk Road. There was no victim named in that trial. Therefore, there is no crime. The crime was that he operated outside the bounds of the state and they didn't fucking like it. That was what his that, that was the punishment because that was a mute that was a voluntary exchange side. I mean, there was, it was whatever you wanted to get into, you got into uh, voluntarily. But the idea that the way they besmirch this man's character is almost to the point like it's really disgusting because if they can do it to him, they could do it to anybody. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And, 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 you know, not for nothing, but note the irony of, of a so-called constitutionalist who doesn't believe in due process or applying the eighth amendment, cruel, and unusual punishment or anything like that to, to right. Ross Ulbricht. Right. You know, <clears throat> um, the problem for Ross was that the victim was Goldman Sachs, right. That, that the victim, <laughs> yeah. the victim was, right. was the federal reserve, right. That, that was who he was going after. And he said in a Forbes uh, magazine article that he was inspired by uh, Jane Neal Shulman's description of the Agoras marketplace in Alongside Night. Uh, so he was very much so account- acting counter-economically. And I, I, you know, I know Neil sort of felt bad about it. Neil kind of felt guilty towards the end of his life. Like he almost felt like he was kind of responsible for, for Ulbricht. But notice, notice what an important role Ross played, right? Not only did he create the, the world's first truly free market ever, in human history, right? The Greeks didn't do it. The Romans didn't do it. Ross Ulbricht did it. Yep. He created a free market for the first time ever. And I think that is um, 
you know, in and of itself, probably, you know, and that's, you know, an accomplishment for the record books. But um, moreover, you know, he, what he did to me was even bigger than that was he provided utility, you know, the utility that we just spoke about for Bitcoin, that peer to peer cash. He, he showed us that by using the Silk Road, by having the Silk Road use Bitcoin for that purpose, he sort of put that on, on display for all of us to see. Like before that, Bitcoin was just like nothing. It was like a novelty. Like you could just send it to your friends like, oh, I'll send you a thousand Bitcoin. You send me a thousand Bitcoin and send him a thousand Bitcoin. That's what it was. And then Ross was like, no, guys, look what we can do with it. Right. We can have a free market. And like that to me is like the most significant advancement because now now we have a tool to fight the central bank, which is like it's, it's, it's unreal. It's unreal. So like he sacrificed his life, but like he gave the rest of us our freedom for it. Yeah, that's incredibly well said. And I, he, he definitely is, um, I guess I want, I guess the, the astronaut, he's the first one up there. He's the first right, one. Yeah. That, that's it's such a phenomenal accomplishment. And you say, like you say, he paid for it. He is paying for it with his life. Yeah. Um, and for it, our freedom, like, like yeah. he, that actually is somebody who did sacrifice their life for our freedom. Not like the troops who like, you know, sign up for a Camaro and they sit around, you know, some barracks for like three or four years and, you know, play with toys and shit that we have to pay too much money for. He actually did sacrifice his life. He actually did martyr himself. Yeah, that's a great point, man. And it it definitely hits home. It really does. I, uh, we can't say enough uh, about about that accomplishment and the fact that he was railroaded because even like in the in the transcript that we got from the judge that he had quote not given up on his ideology. So this was a punishment yeah. for what he believed in, not anything that he did. Uh, that quote illegally, it was for yeah. what he believed in and something that he established that was outside their control. You know, and that was that was the judge. I I, I personally think of her more as like a domestic terrorist, Catherine B. Forrest, who was acting under the influence of another domestic terrorist chuck schumer so like you see how like the how like the dnc and like goldman sachs who like chuck schumer is like the biggest leech of goldman sachs money like if you go on i forget the name of that website where they like list off all the donors for opensecrets.org yes 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 exactly secrets.org yeah I mean, guys, he is like he's like a, a, a sponge for like Goldman Sachs lobbying money. And uh, it's no surprise that he's the one who influenced the judge in that case. He was the one who like held news conferences about what a terrible person Ross Ulbricht was. And like, it's just so corrupt. It just makes me sick to my stomach. I feel so bad for Ross. It's so blatantly obvious, too. Yeah. I just hope we can get him out one day, you know. Yeah, it would be nice. And like I said, you know, that the problem is I try not to be hopeful for anything because when I am hopeful for something, I always, I may, I don't know, maybe it's just part of my character. I always think the worst that way, when the worst happens, I can go see, I fucking told you that it was not going to work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, that's just who I am. That's how I'm programmed because I got hopeful for a second. I really did. Sal, I, guys, yeah. I really was. I was like, maybe he'll hit one of those three big names. Maybe he'll really stick it to the fucking system. This quote, the swamp say, fuck you. I'm going to do it. And he did fuck all nothing because he is the goddamn swamp. It was such a letdown. I thought maybe Assange because, you know, Trump's the kind of guy who he'll like reward his allies. Like that's why little, that's why little Wayne got a, got a pardon because little Wayne was always a Trump supporter from day one. He never, never swayed. Right. Right. And if like Assange was like, 
anti-DNC in 2016. So I thought there was a small chance that he, Assange might catch a pardon. I, I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't think there was much hope for Ross or Snowden, you know. Yeah, especially since all the treason talk that happened uh, with regard right. to uh, Snowden, which Snowden. I, I find it. Yeah, I, I, I knew Snowden wasn't going to get a part. There's still really? too many people. There's still too many people that that consider him to be a traitor. Like, you're right. Like, and statist. Yeah. And, <clears throat> right. You're, you're normies and you're normie statist and shit. Like there's just far too many people that like, oh, he's he committed tre- treason and he's a traitor. And it's like fucking bullshit like, but you know what the, the the republicans in the senate are are such scumbag low lives they right are right pieces of, of trash i'm sorry for speaking this way on your podcast but that's I really quite right describe <laughs> what, what, i made I mean, a joke about the reichstag like last week so <laughs> no I mean, honestly like like the cockroach is a more honorable creature than your average republican senator because they're Armor. the ones who they're the ones who who killed um, any chance of justice for for Snowden or, or Assange or Ross. And it's really a shame too because Snowden obviously was very talented and knew what he was doing and in, in his trade. And the fact that they wouldn't take what he had to say in consideration and actually keep him as a citizen of the United States and have him do great things for the United States. It's very telling of where they're at. Well, that's like any like sort of like innovative tech entrepreneur has like a target on their back. And we can go all the way back to like, do you guys remember Aaron Schwartz? Aaron Schwartz, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the story, he was like this like innovative, like just a brilliant like tech guy. I don't think he was like an ANCAP, like, like, or, or like a sort of libertarian like us, but he was sort of like a libertarian progressive and like, he was driven to commit suicide because of, of some of like the state's uh, persecution. So like anybody who's like talented, like Ross Ulbricht, like any of these guys, they, like Cody Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto had to go into, he had to like remain anonymous. So didn't, didn't Aaron Schwartz also make Reddit or create Reddit? Was yeah. It? Something like that. Okay. Okay. So, so, so something like that. I don't know the exact story, but yeah. Well, I, I, I guess, I guess you're right. I should have known better than that, that wouldn't happen. Like, I'm still pissed off about it because, yeah, you know, it, it's it, Ross, all three of them, for fuck's sake, all three of them. You know, I keep thinking about Snowden, too, where, like, you know, the punishment for, well, like, well, you know, he didn't go through the proper channels and he didn't follow the chain. <laughs> well, no, no, no. <laughs> he, he not only did he fucking try to talk to somebody, but that wasn't the point is that they wanted that illegal activity to continue on. That's the whole point. That was the whole reason why that that program existed. And the fact that he exposed it and say, hey, listen, you know, this piece of paper that all of you fuckers worship, OK, mm-hmm. including myself up until what, six years ago and not, not worship at least, but held in reverence, I guess, or said, hey, these are the rules. This piece mm-hmm. of paper that was created in a coup, OK, because it was a coup. You guys, it's against the rules what they're doing. You're not you're not supposed to do that. This is violating your rights as as individuals. And all the entire country turns on him. It says, fuck you. What are you talking about? Yeah. How dare well, you? And then you went to Russia. Oh, clearly you were working with Putin. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. But like, you know, <clears throat> it's like ironic to me that they accuse him of not going through the right channels when <clears throat> the whole the whole issue was that they weren't going through the right channels to get their warrants. Right. right. So it's like, say the price like, of courts were bullshit. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, that, that would be like, you know, that would be like 
killing a bunch of, I don't know, just, it's like so hypocritical to me that like, it's just you know, blatantly obvious that like these people are accusing, you know, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. And like, I don't understand how the public doesn't, doesn't see it, but like, I don't know. I don't know. All of those cases, frankly, Snowden, Assange, Ulbricht, they're all like so hypocritical at the end of the day. I mean, I had a tweet, you know, regarding uh, Assange where I was like, <clears throat> um, it's true if you think about it, like, why should uh, revealing a war crime be more dangerous than committing one, <laughs> right? Well, you know, the same thing goes for like Snowden. It's like, I don't know, it's just, it's just so hypocritical. These politicians like point the finger at the rest of us when they're the ones who are doing all this terrible shit behind our back. Right, mm-hmm. right. And speaking of terrible shit, you caught some flack recently. I know that I have to be specific because because <laughs> the last time I was like, hey, you caused a shitstorm on Twitter and you're like, which one? Okay, so, <laughs> yeah. But it's got to be a little bit more specific this time. There was an individual that was murdered uh, during the, um, the pooch that happened at the Capitol. And you had said that if you weren't like, and you uh, brought, brought, I think it was Breonna Taylor's name into it. And yeah. if, you weren't in, if you were incensed by one, but not by the other, you're part of the problem. Could you elaborate on that a little bit for our audience? Uh, what what you were getting at in that? Because I understand what you meant, but uh, right. Well, well, both both cases are examples of femicide, right? It's it's the state murdering American women, and you know, Republicans don't care when their team does it, and the Democrats don't care when their team does it. <clears throat> but you know, the rest of the time during the week, they're all feminists. So right. it's like, you know, it, it's just it's crazy to me how they don't care when when this when the police murder a, a woman, as long as it's, it's it's it's, you know, consistent with their their viewpoints. And then, you know, as soon as that event is not in the public spotlight anymore, it's back to women's rights. And, you know, we, we believe in, in, you know, women. And it's just it's just crazy to me that, and you know, of course, both of these women were innocent. You know, they were. Brianna Taylor was in her own house asleep. <clears throat> the other woman was in a building she paid for. And, you know, I had Republicans in that thread telling me, um, well, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend did this and that, and uh, she shouldn't have had him in the house. And then I had Democrats in the thread being like, well, she shouldn't have been in Capitol Hill. And she was in the middle of an insurrection. And while she was rioting and it's just like, insurrection, and it's like, you know what, guys, if you're making excuses, for politicians to murder young women, mm-hmm. you might want to take a long, hard look in the mirror at what kind of person you are. Yeah, well said. Yeah. And, you know, by the way, sticking with the theme of, uh, of human beings being murdered by the state. So for the longest period of time, we were told um, that they, uh, they, what was it, the, what, the county uh, the county sheriff's department that uh, was responsible for the murder of Duncan Lemp, that they were reviewing the body cam footage, that they, they couldn't release it yet, and then, voila, it just turns out that there is no fucking footage. They literally told us, not only is there not any footage, but the motherfucker that killed him, he's not going to face any charges. And the fact that it hasn't blown up more, like there's a lot of us that tweeted that shit out that like we're obviously very upset about. I cannot, for me, I can't, I'm starting to lose a lot of patience with people because the police, for me, are the biggest fucking issue that we have in this country. The biggest. It's the standing army of occupation. It has been for a long time. Now they have military toys. They're killing people in their beds, okay? They're shooting into houses. Oh, yeah. At, at 3 o'clock in the fucking morning, which is yep. what happened to both Breonna 
and uh, well, maybe not at three, but it was uh, you know dark and it yeah. was late at night. Um, it happened to Briona and it happened to Duncan and his girlfriend and, and many more and many more. Yeah, and more that more than we are beginning to like the fact that we don't really know how how often this happens should be troubling to every single person because it's terrifying. It's terrifying that you could get swatted just because you you know they get the wrong fucking address. The Free Thought Project has been the source of nightmare fuel for my life personally because yeah. every day I'm looking at it and some fucking asshole piece of shit with a badge pulls up to the wrong address, kills the family dog, or tries to shoot some a, a human being, ends up killing a dog or killing a kid, and it's happening every day. And then he gets a two week paid vacation, right? Yeah, I I. I I've told you know, the, go ahead, Sal. There, there's like there's two cases that keep me awake at night. <clears throat> um, Ross Ulbricht is one of them, but I don't know if you guys have heard of Ayana uh, Jones. Uh, she was seven years old, she was sleeping on her on her couch, and it was actually part of like that show, First 48. It happened in Detroit, and I guess they were looking for a drug dealer, a non violent person, and uh, they showed up to the house. And they uh, threw grenades through the picture window. One of them landed on the seven-year-old girl's face and exploded. And then when the grenades had went off, they sprayed the house with you know, machine gun fire. And when the smoke cleared, there was a seven-year-old girl dead on her own couch. Well, it turns out they were at the wrong address. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, they were just – he gets a two-week paid vacation. He's just doing his own job. The guy's probably still out there with a gun and a badge. And, you know, this is just one of thousands of cases. I can go on and on and on. Delbert Rodriguez Gutierrez was, was run over by Miami pigs for gra uh, graffiti. Duncan Lepp, Lavoy Finicum, Erwin Schiff. Dylan Taylor had his hands in his pocket and a cop was nervous and thought that he had a, a, a pistol in, in his, he was like in a, in a carrying a, a, in his abdomen. So they shot and killed him. And I mean, the stories go on and on and on. And uh, it makes me sick to my stomach that they get away with this. But um, I think the only thing, it, it's sort of a double-edged sword for the state because they murder people and they keep us in line like this. It, it sort of scares everybody. Like you don't want to get shot, so you do what they say. But at the same time, every time that we watch them murder somebody on YouTube, it takes a little bit of their legitimacy away. And it makes it makes it makes a few more people despise them and think like we do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in, in the long run, it's just part of the inevitable, like, like I said, the angular momentum. <clears throat> it's part of like keeping it up, you know, part of the collapse, the inevitable collapse. I'm glad that you said that, because I've said it before, uh, you know, on the show, uh, when to pair it off of what Michael Malice had said, when he wants people to look at the average journalist the way they look at a tobacco executive. I use that I use that uh, framework to to and I want the average American to look at uh, at a policeman the way they look at a tobacco executive. I want that exact same experience because to me that has been it, it, it's also been the hardest road, but I think it for me it's been an, an easy road and what's like I said what's fucked up is I can get people really worked up about dogs. I can get like human beings doesn't really hit home, but when you right. talk about killing your your, your furry friend then that really the people look at you and like really 25 a day i'm like well that's what they're admitting to i'm right. yeah right. yeah exactly yeah. every know? 90 minutes they 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 kill a, a police in america murder someone's dog every 90 minutes jesus it's it, 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 it to me that is the the way to get 
people at least to radicalize a little bit to look at the police because we've been conditioned like i remember like my son is about to turn 18 and i remember and this is when i was a statist uh you know i i was programmed just like everybody else and i remember i had to take him to safety town they called it safety town and it was to teach him how to cross roads and you know to trust the police and we you know when you see somebody with a badge and with this uniform on you know costume that you're there to be trusted and stuff like that like i remember looking back and like i feel guilty about that because it's like i participated in this ritual without knowing that i was kind of brainwashing now my kid's gone the other way he's trying to get the iww into his mcdonald's where he works like he's trying to unionize and he's he says he's a syndicalist i'm not sure how much he believes in it but we'll see how that works out but at least he went in a different direction right yeah i I fucked up a little bit i guess i got him to the anarcho part but now he says he's a syndicalist (laughs) and i always mess with him too i'm like you're a bicyclist what (laughs) he gets so angry no it's a syndicalist (laughs) okay what whatever fine whatever i mean it's like it's like i like metallica his favorite band is megadeth i guess i don't know but um <laughs> that's the way i look at it it's like okay all right it's kind of cool you know it's not as cool as what i like you should you, you should just tell me that you that you started reading chomsky and maybe he'll start reading rothbard good idea this is a great, <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. great idea um but uh, yeah i it's fortunately for him he has you know uh, a network of people who are like you know my, my sister is a, a radical she's a liar but she's a radical anarcho-feminist she definitely she's that uh, she's a crazy person but she's I, I love her to death uh he, she he's surrounded by people who are liberty-minded so we were able to crack that programming fairly easily but not everybody has that and i think the police are a big one that to me is you know how they say marijuana is a gateway drug well to me once you lose faith in the cops, that's the gateway yeah. to, to liberty to me, because once once that's broken, that, you know, you then begin to see things with a lot more clarity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And <clears throat> I think your analogy is, is spot on um, when you say like it's, it's the gateway to liberty, because if you think about it from like a purely counter economic standpoint, like that's the whole that is the key to counter economics and like. It's something that I've spoken about, something that Konkin spoke about, something Pete Canonas has spoken about. When we can crack the state's monopoly on violence, <clears throat> that is sort of the holy grail of counter-economic entrepreneurship, right? If we can provide a, a, a competitor to their to the state security services, then you know, then it's all over. Then their monopoly, their whole house of cards will come crumbling down. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm. You know, I know. Uh, I encourage people to like check out. Um, damn, I'm drawing a blank. What's that guy's name in Detroit? Uh, Detroit Threat Management. Um, I think it's like Dale Brown or something like that. Okay. He, okay. He, he does a lot of great work at Detroit Threat Management, but he's not really like, a, like an anarchist, but he is providing a competitive alternative to failed Detroit policing. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you, <clears throat> excuse me, why would you call cops? Uh, the, the police on, you know, your neighbors or, or your friends or if anybody who needs help, if you thought that they were likely to get shot and killed, why would you renew a contract with a private firm who had a reputation for murdering children? Like we just spoke about, you know, Ayanna Jones, that took place in Detroit. So, you know, the people there have an incentive not to do business with the Detroit police department and they have an incentive to contract with private entrepreneurs like like Dale Brown and, and, and Detroit Threat Management, so like to me that is like the like the, the 
you know, um, private policing is sort of, like I said, it's the holy grail of counter-economics. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It really is the gateway to liberty. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. And I really hope that we can make a difference with people because it's not, it's not, uh, the fact that Americans will still bend the knee to this group of people. And, you know, like I said, conservatives are kind of the people that will thank a cop for their service after he, after he ass rapes his wife yeah. and kills his dog. Yeah. And be like, well, I still appreciate you for your service. Thank you for keeping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. you know, I'm serious. Like these people, are like it's it's a cult. It, it yeah. really is. It, a cult. it is. It really is. And, you know, in I, order to break the high priest power, that's <laughs> the way to go. You know. I have um, I've got an uncle who's like this, like super Republican MAGA lunatic, and like he's like a big gun guy and you know, he, he's got like the blue line sticker and the don't tread on me sticker. He's like the walking hypocrisy that we all laugh at. And I said to him, I was like, you know, I, I just said to him, I was like, well, you know, you, you like guns and you like the police, but you know, if it wasn't for the cops, then gun control would be irrelevant. Who cares what laws the Democrats pass if there are no cops to enforce them? Bingo. And like, he just looks at you with like, like a, we think tilts his head like a confused dog and like kind of stares at you. And like he doesn't know what to say, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Eyes twitching a little bit. <laughs> right. Like what? What does not compute? What do you mean? Right. What? Yeah. What? What? Smoke is coming from his ears. It's just like <laughs> they don't know like how. To, it's just you know, a lot of these statists have never been hit with a logical argument. So when they hear like someone like us speak consistently. Like it really does. It's sort of just like it's like a smack across the face, and, and sometimes it's it's the the wake up call people need. You know, that's why it's called like the red pill. Yeah, right. I, I agree with you there. And the problem I have though is, and that's why I use like you know what you said about having the Gadsden flag uh, next to next to a blue line uh, flag, and how you know hypocritical it is. I that's why I ask these my conservative friends like okay oh you love guns you love to shoot Second Amendment this that and the other thing that's great that's wonderful I that's stay off the water because it's dangerous to us but I'll tell you this <laughs> I like what are you going to do I said are you going to give them up when they ask or when the cops surround your house I highly encourage people to use that because conservatives haven't thought this all the way through they're the same people that the, the equivalent of people in in, in Germany after 1933. Oh, no, no, no. That would never happen. That's just rhetoric. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. No, it's not rhetoric. They will do what they're fucking told because they always have. And and they've done it before. Right. Look at in Boston after the Boston Marathon bombing, they went door to door and confiscated guns. And the people of Boston, which I mean, is crazy. If you think about Boston's history, the people of Boston complied with it. It's it's just crazy to me. It's, It's sad to see that Boston has progressed that much. But uh yeah, you know, it, it's 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 insane. My answer to all of it is, you know, as an agorist, as a counter economist, I believe in being the gray man and sort of blending into your background. Don't don't you know stand out like when, you know, the way I see it is this: when they come to my house and they say, "Give me your guns," first of all, I don't have I don't have any guns. Yeah, I've too. never registered. I've never registered a gun. I've never got a license for a gun. I don't own anything. Right. So if they if they come to my house, there's nothing on file. Now, let's say, you know, in Minecraft, if they did search my house and they found guns and they took the guns, yeah, that would be fine. Take them. I don't care. Just go. Because guess what? I've got a 3D printer. I've got 100 3D printers, three rooms over. If I turn each of them on, I can arm the entire neighborhood before they, they get done sweeping my street. <laughs> you know, so 
Right. God bless. Take all the guns you want. I have. I got tons of plastic, man. Tons of. <laughs> right. Right. And you know what? I, before before um I, I before I forget, I know that Christopher wanted to ask you a question about the difference in printers. Chris, I haven't forgotten about that. So please, I was I was literally just thinking about that. So you must have like read my mind, dude. Yeah. So you, uh, there was there was another uh, version of a of a Creelty printer that you had uh, posted about on Twitter. It was like an easier to assemble one, I suppose. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you're, uh, so there's like a bunch of them. I think the easiest one for beginners, in my opinion, is, is the CR6 SE. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just. It's very easy. It's got, it comes very, it's like modularized. It's like basically half put together when you, when you you get it, it has like five parts. And I think there's a total of like eight screws and like you just plug in, you plug in the display cable and that's it. You're up and running. So it's like super easy. The other thing too, is like one of the most difficult parts of learning how to use your 3d printer is learning to level the bed. Like it's a, it can be a pain in the ass depending on the machine you have. Like you have to like sort of like make everything perfect and you have to like futz with the screws and stuff. But with the CR6 SE, it has like this really convenient auto leveling system built into it. So you just press a button and like the, it, the machine will cycle itself through 14 different points on the bed and it'll oh, come wow. down. It'll say, okay, we're level here. I'll go over to the next corner. So, all right, well, and then, so like, you don't have to do anything. It's just very plug and play. That's why I recommend it for um, okay. beginners. The most popular one is obviously the Ender 3 series. Right. Like the Ender 3 is the classic one. That's the one that turns dispense recommends because it's the cheapest. The V2 is the most popular model. That's the one we sell the most of. Uh, I've been playing around with the LD002R, which is like a resin printer, which okay. I don't know if you guys follow me on Snapchat. It's a whole different sort of Oh, I sure printer. do. It's amazing. Yeah, I've yeah. seen them. It's like, like, doesn't use like liquid resin or some shit like that. Yeah, it's like, it's really crazy. It's, 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 it, it's, it's a beautiful process to watch, honestly. It's like almost like it just like lifts out of like, it, like a, a Glock just emerges out of like a pool of like liquid. It's, <laughs> it's really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Nice. Uh, yeah. Does anybody have anything else before uh, before we wrap up? I don't want to take any more of Sal's time. Anybody? No, just thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. I mean, I, yeah, I love coming on this show, man. This is, you know, sometimes it's a pain in the ass when you come on a show that like, you don't know, but like when it's when you come on with people you know, and it's like, you know, sometimes it's just more fun than others. This is one of the fun ones. So oh, thank you. That's quite a compliment. We appreciate yeah. it. Um, before I wrap up, I do want to throw out, we have an official sponsor. Um, it's, it's Akron Apothecary. I'm pronouncing it right. Angel said that I'm pronouncing it right. That is correct. Sir. Uh, our friend Todd, the gay uh, makes soap, cold press soap. Uh, he's got different flavors that you can pick from chocolate, raspberry, cocoa, butter, peppermint, poppy seed, plain old soap. It's called plain old soap, orange, <laughs> cocoa, butter. I've used the stuff that has the aloe in it. It's very nice. There's also a coconut citrus sorbet and sea salt. It's very fancy soap for your very fancy ass. If you want to get yourself clean, go ahead and check it out. He's got a shop on Etsy. It's in the show notes. Help out our friend Todd. This is soap that he makes in his house. I've actually seen the process. It's fantastic. And I know it is really Angel awesome uses soap. it. Yeah. Yep, Angel uses it. So this is a no bullshit thing. You want to support a local business, please check out our friend Todd. I'm trying to get him to change the name to Todd the Gay Soap or Todd's very very gay soap because you know he's he's a, he's a gay fella but the soap is for everybody it's for everybody it's not just for gay people. it's for everybody and uh that's what i like gay, about straight it. trans it doesn't matter he's got that soap for that ass it's got that soap for that ass. 
I also want to uh, uh, book of the uh, book of the show. So I've started a new book that I highly recommend. First of all, I did a recommendation not too long ago, uh, Christopher Hitchens, God is Not Great. Uh, it's a fantastic book. If you haven't checked it out, it's, it's narrated by the author. He's no longer among the living. He is a fantastic writer, uh, super logical, excellent writer. Uh, he's a recovering Marxist, uh, like like yours truly when I was young and stupid. Uh, but Christopher Hitchens, uh, he was a real gem uh, and um, he sorely missed. Excellent book if you have the time. But right now I'm reading something called Red Famine by Annie Applebaum. Uh, it's about the Ukrainian Holocaust uh, initiated by Stalin that murdered a conservative estimate of 5 million Ukrainians by starving them to death. The actual number is closer to 7 million Ukrainians. We've talked about it on the show before. I know we have listeners in the Ukraine, or excuse me, in Ukraine. The Ukraine is when it's part of the Soviet Union or the Russian Empire. It's an independent country with its own culture. She actually is going through the process of uh, de-Ukrainianizing the country where you weren't allowed to speak the language, that it was replaced by Russian, that it was Russified, um, and we get to the parts where you're starting the policies the communist policies that starved like i said up to seven million human beings in one year um i highly recommend it it's important to keep these things in mind because there are people that are walking around college campuses probably your workplace who really don't know or think that that guy did good things yeah i know he has a high approval rating in the in the former soviet union specifically in russia and i'll never begin to understand that for the life of me uh, he is the silver medalist in the uh, mass murdering games, uh, finishing second only to Mao Zedong, who killed 60 million human beings in the last century. Uh, communism is cancer. And obviously, you guys, uh, please check out the book if you have time. Uh, it's an excellent read. It's a trip to a very dark place. So that's all I have. Uh, Sal, if you have anything else before we wrap up, please go ahead. The floor is yours. Um, yeah, so... Uh... You know, it's interesting. Just just a little side note on what you said. Mao is still killing. The CCP is still they're, they're still around. They're still murdering True. people. Just for the listeners out there, it, it's it's that disgusting of an organization. But um, yeah, you can find me. I'm on all your social media platforms. Sal Mayweather, Sal the Agorist. Um, uh, I'll be speaking at the Greater Reset. Let me just check. That's January 25th at I think it's like six o'clock in the afternoon. And then I'll also be speaking at. Uh, Live Free Tennessee, we're going to have a workshop where I'll be discussing 3D printing. That's in April. Um, I got all sorts of stuff coming up. You can follow all that at sadigoras.com. And of course, 3D printer go burr, B-R-R-R.com, where you can buy 3D printers and 3D printing supplies for cryptocurrency. Excellent. And by the way, Sal's the one who got me. Uh, he convert. I, I guess you want to say he converted me to become an agorist. Uh, I did buy a 3D printer. I actually had a garden. Angel, how were my tomatoes this year? They were very good. Thank Excellent. you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Delicious. <laughs> I, nice. I, I, I want some, pictures. No, I had some terrible looking cucumbers. They looked like they came <laughs> out of Chernobyl. Like they grew in all sorts of different directions. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna hammer it down this coming uh, this coming uh, uh, growing season. I couldn't get any squash going. I didn't have enough room. Squash is a I love squash. It's a really nice, awesome vegetable. But you have to have a lot of room to grow that. So we were limited. But uh, there will be an expansion. There will be uh, there will be an expansion of the garden this year. So nice. make no mistake, we go, we live by our principles. So um, and uh, once again, I have to throw credit to you. You got me on board the train. I was kind cool. of, uh, you know, veering towards being just the regular old ANCAP or, you know, just an, an, an anarchist without an adjective. But definitely, you know, 
free markets, counter economics. That's the way to go. And uh, yeah. we owe it to you. So thank you very much for, for uh, guiding at least me in the right direction as always. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Excellent guys. Check out Sal's stuff. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the fucking channel. I see a lot of you watching it. And subscribe I to the fucking channel. Subscribe to the fucking channel. <laughs> like, my, like my buddy Christopher says here, it's it's it's, it's the decimation of your asshole on horseback. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going on a shirt. That is going on a shirt. I got to figure out how to make the asshole and the. Uh, the I throw some wild zingers out there from time to time. Well, like you know? Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. Like the oh the twelve pointed mm -hmm. asshole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could do that. Okay. Right. All right, and on that note, watch asshole. your asshole. <laughs> like we end the show on the twelve-pointed asshole. <laughs> Thanks for the support, guys. Don't forget to fucking subscribe, though. I see you guys yeah. watching God and downloading it. the show. Don't be an asshole. Hit the subscribe button, please. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy all the time, but I'm going to be that guy. All right, everybody, have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Peace. Peace.